Hello everyone. Welcome to the quarantined coronavirus episode. We semi-retired back in November and we've had a lot of requests for some of, from some of you to get back on the uh, podcast horse here, but we haven't been able to do it. We've been too busy. We've had too much going on. Um and it just kind of kept getting put on the back burner and put on the back burner and until it kind of became a just a long lost memory for us but uh you know life happens yeah we've been wanting to get back in here we just haven't had had the chance and uh today we do so well we say we do but Gracie is also in the background with a whistle somewhere and yeah, she's playing referee, so if you hear a random whistle being blown... It's not uh, a circus, even though it may sound like it. Nope, that's just our kid. The other one is taking this quarantine very hard, so she's most likely asleep. Again. For the third time today. Yeah. <clears throat> You'll have to forgive me, you may hear me slurping every once in a while, drinking through a straw but it's necessary because I'm fighting a yet another kidney stone. Um, You're real good at those. Well, I don't know if I'm good at them or not. I get them a lot. I'm well, not sure what, what would dictate being good at it. I mean, you get them, so you're good at getting them. I'm very good at getting them. So, you know, April said it earlier, life happens. And uh, we were doing good. I think we did 10 or 11 episodes, and and, uh, we had a pretty good following going. And then things, just as they happened to do in our family, started going haywire. Or spiraling out of control. And um, we've just just had a lot. A lot more lessons of how we have no control over anything. And I'm going to be real honest and open in this episode, not that I haven't been in the others, but I just kind of give you a little bit more of an idea. You know, we've talked about my injuries and surgeries, and since our last episode, I have had another surgery. I had a uh, a uh, spinal surgery on my neck back in February, where they went in through my throat. Um, it was an excellent surgery. The doctor did an excellent job. They replaced a disc. To uh, He did an excellent job closing the wound. So I don't have a big chainsaw massacre-like uh, scar on my throat that I was hoping for. Oh, I'm glad you don't. Because that would have made for a really cool story. Like, I could have come up with so many stories. Mm to tell in public to people that don't know me. Um, so it's a little bit disappointing that it's not a just a horrible-looking scar. Well, I mean... I mean, I'm already married, so I don't need to worry about, yeah, you know, you the do. reaction I get from women when they look at me. Well, that no, that you don't. But I'm looking at it, and so... There's a stitch that's continuing to try to come out of it, and uh, April, but she... She is torn between wanting to get the stitch out and no. and throwing up 
at the thought of trying to get the stitch No, out. I pulled on it one day, and then it was, like, attached in there, and it about made me sick. It was, like, attached to my Adam's apple. It pulled my whole throat skin out. I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Like, it makes me sick. It was pretty cool. It's a very strong stitch. I, I commend <sighs> whoever makes those um, sutures. They are extremely strong. Maybe they should start working on the coronavirus. Yeah. I don't know what stitches would have to do with coronavirus. I don't either. I'm just saying they're good at something. So, how you doing? Are you uh, are you quarantined or are you just toughing it out and saying I'm gonna I'm not scared of this and I'm not gonna go out? Mine's not so much fear of it as uh, of the virus itself as much as it is its ability to spread and this the speed and the quickness or a due diligence of just not being around other people. Right. I mean, uh, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, they, they say the elderly, the immunosuppressed, immunocompromised, um, you know, have a higher chance. And I just, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, I politically, and I never get into polit- politics on here and I'm not going to now, but politically, you know, you've got two sides that are trying to blame each other, and it really aggravates me because I think this has nothing to do with politics. I think this does. I think that there has it, that it has been politicized, which everything seems to you know to be politicized these days. But I think the simple fact of the matter is is that the coronavirus doesn't matter, doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or an Independent or. Thanks green for throwing that libertarian in there. Acknowledge them. Green party or whatever Johnson was last time, even though he was uh-uh. crazy. No one cares. Um, no one wants to hear about the coronavirus either. They've heard enough about it. No, I'm just give me a break. I'm talking. I haven't talked to him in three months, so I'm. I'm well, I titled this episode "Change." Okay, so uh, we'll get past the coronavirus. I hope you're doing well. I hope that none of you have tested positive for it yet. Um, and I hope that uh, all of these protective measures flatten the curve, as they say, and that uh, we're able to get over this in a timely manner. And that nobody kills anybody in their family while being stuck at home with them, with your kids for extra weeks on spring break or some of you that have already had school just canceled for the rest of the year. Yeah, we saw that Kansas uh, canceled for the rest remaining part of the year. You know, my cousin's kids in Jacksonville or Orange Park, they're not, they don't go to school for the rest of the year either. Um, right now we're what, April 6th is the date. Yeah. Is our date. So, <clears throat> all right, enough of that. We know that you hear a lot about our I mean, obviously, I started this about our family, and you get a lot about our personal life. Um, This is going to be a good one, too, because this hasn't been announced on the Daddy Diaries or talked about. So if people want to know, they're going to have to come listen to the podcast. Yeah, and uh, that's our way of making you listen to our podcast. (laughs) So, you know, we've had a, a lot taken from us. And uh, for just a moment, I'm going to make it about me. I feel like I've had a lot taken from me. And I'll I'll tell you right now, there's a good chance that I may uh, cry a little bit. 
and uh, don't think I'm a huge baby or anything. It's just been a very emotional and difficult thing for me, and I'll explain to you why. But um, as most of you know, I am in the oil and gas business. Uh, I was in the oil and gas business and have been for for quite a while. Um, I worked for a major publicly traded company and had worked my way up in the company and had done well. Um, we got a new CEO about the same time that the uh, stock market began to um, teeter back and forth on oil and gas and and course coronavirus has not helped the stock market or its uh, effects on oil and gas and with that being said um, I was let go and it was very unexpected because um, well, when it's your first day back from your throat being cut open and being fixed, and it, it was my first day back from surgery, and I was uh, excited to get back to work, and excited to be, you know, out of bed and out of the house, and and back doing what I'm good at, and I know that I was good at it, and my company um, would they would back that up. I was good at it. And um, it just became a situation of, you know, they've always paid me very well. I've always done well. So it supported the Daddy Diaries for... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a <laughs> lot of times years. it's funny to us. A lot of times people think that we're wealthy because we have the Daddy Diaries or because I've got a, a book published. And that really couldn't be further from the truth Um I don't think you get we, rich from writing books unless you're like John Grisham or yeah James Patterson or or someone like Daniel that. Steele. Um, you know, it's certainly helped. It's it's been a nice little side income, but it's not something that uh, would help me raise a family. I mean, help me raise a family, but it couldn't do it all on its own. And uh, our money came from from oil and gas, and it's provided well for us. And, you know, during my wreck, during my uh, months of being immobile and not being able to work, this particular company, which I don't mind pointing out now, I've, I've never publicly actually said the name of the company, but I will say that it was Basic Energy Services. And I've worked for them for a very long time. And they were very, very good to me during my time of uh, being hurt and in the hospital and uh, they were good to our family. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Um, they, they supported us more uh, above and beyond what they had to. Um, but you know, business is business and, and I get that as much as anyone because a lot of times I'm the one that was having to lay off people. I was the one that was having to fire people. And I know that decisions, tough decisions have to be made. And we got a new CEO. Um, and 
his vision was different from the previous CEO. And the previous CEO and I had a close relationship that, uh, that had the same vision. So it's not necessarily, maybe it shouldn't have been surprising, but it absolutely rocked my world. Because from November the 8th, 2017 until now, you know, I've had a lot taken from, from me. Um, most of it physical, some of it emotional. Um, but through all of that, I was able to, to hold on to something that made me feel important to something that made me feel as though I, uh, still had a purpose. It was the last thing we had. It was the only thing we had left from the wreck that hasn't been damaged in some way or taken away from us. And, you know, and we're lucky. I know lots of people don't have that, but, um, you know, lots of people don't have all the other things either. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I, it, it really crushed me. Um, my boss almost cried as he was doing it. It was not his, it was not his call to do it. Um, basically the new guy just came in and looked at numbers and started, started cutting. hacking big salaries. And even if it was about any of Stoney's injuries or things like that, of course they would never say that because that would be illegal. <laughs> But basic, I don't want to. I don't want to come off as a, as basic was good to me. They were good to my family. They took care of us in our time of need, um, and I'll forever be grateful for that. But I've lost that now, and um, and it just kind of shook me to my core because it did feel like the one remaining thing that I had that made me who I was. And I know the the common everybody, everybody I've talked to, starting with April, and my parents, and I really haven't told anyone, you know, outside of family. But you know, the the first thing you're going to say if you're a supporter of this person is that job didn't make you who you were. You know, that's funny though because I have struggled so hard with that since moving here. As you know. Of course, your job doesn't define you, all of those things, but try taking that away. And of course, you should be mentally there in that spot where, you know, that doesn't define you. But, you know, Stoney and I are both a little bit workaholics and we like that. And I mean, I felt that for a while. I wasn't the breadwinner, but I mean, the move up here definitely decreased our income um, for my part. So I get it to a degree. I mean, it's a you really don't know what you're supposed to do. But we were able even, you know, and, and she has struggled with that. And, and and I've tried to be supportive. And But thankfully, we were able. I made enough that if she didn't, we were still okay. And, you know, we, of course, it was great. Because when she lived, when we lived in Texas, she made great money. And, um, 
she has a you know a wonderful clientele clientele that want her to drive from Oklahoma to Texas just to take their pictures still still um so I mean you know she hasn't she still has those unfortunately they're just about five and a half or six hours away but this was my lifeline it was the one thing that made me feel like me I haven't felt like me you know um I haven't felt like the person I was before for a long time and this was the last little thing that I was clinging to and whether that's right or wrong um that's it is what it is that's how it was that, that was I, I can't, you know, I used to run five miles a day. I can't do that anymore. I can't run across the yard. I was able to build fence or, you know, we've repurposed this old RV. I was able to work. I was able to do anything I, I wanted. And, and a few weeks ago, um, my grandpa called and wanted April and I to come see him. Um, he is a retired Church of God preacher. Um, he and my grandmother are about 85 years old. <clears throat> he recently had triple bypass surgery on his heart. Uh, my grandmother's not doing real well uh, mentally. She's struggling with some dementia and some forgetfulness. And, and uh, you know, it's just that point in their lives. And uh, I wrote a story about them a few months ago in Do South Magazine, and it's called Treasures in Heaven. And if you haven't read it, I hope you will. Um, but they are two of the most faithful people that, I have ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because they're my grandparents, because I think anyone that knows them through the many churches that they've pastored uh, would agree. My grandpa has, has had a tough life. He's been hurt a lot. Uh, he and I share that in common. We, we can tell surgery stories until the cows come home. But he felt, a, my grandpa, the funny thing about him, he's a preacher, and he gets behind the pulpit, and he's an amazing preacher. And he's he's can touch you in ways that I've not seen many preachers be able to do. But when you get him from behind the pulpit, he's very quiet. He doesn't have very much to say, unless he's talking about OU football. Uh -huh. Um he, he really is, is a quiet man. And even with me, his oldest grandson, I've been, I mean, you know, he's just, he's just not a real talkative person. But he called me and he said, Stoney, I'd like for you in April to come see me. This was just after his triple bypass surgery, maybe two weeks or, or three A little weeks. bit further than that. So he's, um, he's doing well. He's getting around on a cane, and uh, but, you know, it's a pretty tough lick for somebody that's 85 years old. So April and I got in the truck, and, and um, 
drove to Murphy, Oklahoma, where they live, which is just outside of Locust Grove. On February 19th. And we sat down with them. Oh, wait, that's not right. 21st. We sat down. Well, we actually, they wanted, because of his surgeries, and they wanted to go eat at Ranch House Pizza in Locust Grove, which uh, made us very happy because we don't get to go there very often. And it is the best pizza in the land. And um, so we went and picked them up and took them to town and had a nice little afternoon with them, just the two of us. And we got back to the house, and I could tell just by his, you know, demeanor that it was getting, we were getting ready to get down to business. And he began to tell me some stories that, you know, frankly, I've already heard a few of them. But I hadn't. Context, I think, has a lot to do with, you know, you can hear those stories when you're having a good day. And um, and they may not mean as much to you as they do when you're really struggling with what's going on in your life. And I might add that on this day, which was February 21st, it was a Friday, um, that I had not lost my job yet. So I was struggling with um, with pain with um we were also having an issue with our our the current house that we live in because we leased it when we moved here they were daddy diaries people and you know we knew they had an intent to sell um but with all of our things not being finished with uh stoney's wreck we weren't really in a place well, and we it, just didn't know what we were going to do so we had all that going on too yeah i mean and that's when i said that i was going to be really honest with you today is kind of explain to you what we're dealing with and and so yes uh we were when we decided to move to oklahoma we were looking for a house that had some land and that had enough room uh to fit all five of us hopefully without having to share a bedroom you know the kids uh so at least a four bedroom and these uh so they uh contacted me and said, hey, we have a house that, uh, you know, may work for you. And I happened to be up in Oklahoma because I was being transferred um, from the Arklatex division of my company to the headquarters of the central region in Oklahoma. And so... I came and looked at it, and I liked the house. It was plenty big. Um, And April still wanted to look for something maybe closer to Oklahoma City. Um, But I was pretty pretty well satisfied with what I'd seen. And so she looked and looked and couldn't find what we were looking for. So this is where we landed. And... It's been a great house for a year and a half, but um, just to be completely honest, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical debt, and that, um, you know, they, when you don't pay that off, uh, those things go to collections, and I've always had 
excellent credit and always could buy whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And this... I mean, within, us, within your means. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I could... there If I wanted to buy a house, it wouldn't be an issue. If I wanted to buy a truck, it wouldn't be an issue. And so... Um, under the current circumstances, our lawsuit is still pending. And... You know, they drag these things out as long as they can to try to starve you and to try to, they they know they're going to pay money. They just want to pay as little as possible. And by doing so, by, by making your life even more miserable than it already has been, um, they beat you down and they, and, and they have, they have. Job well done. They have beat us into submission i have paid every extra dollar that i've had towards medical bills to try to keep my credit from you know from being hurt uh but it's just impossible unless you are a independently wealthy millionaire you cannot keep up with the amount of medical bills that come in every day half a dozen envelopes a day come in that are nothing more than x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs, um, just physical therapy, in-home physical therapy, outpatient physical therapy. I mean, it's just everything. And there's no way to keep up. Well, and the, and the amount of money we've had to pay for each surgery. Yeah, you got your, you've got your deductible. deductible and you've got the amount that you're responsible for. And that adds up when you've had as many surgeries as I have. So it's just been a very difficult situation. And our lease uh, ended at the end of March. And that was okay because our lawsuit was supposed to be finished by March the 11th. Technically, October. Yeah, actually, originally it was supposed to be over by October of last year. And they've stretched it and stretched it. And so we had hoped that we would be able to have a plan um, well before the end of our lease. And um, the owners of the home have been gracious to us and and good. They're good people. And... um, we're hard-headed and, and probably aggravating sometimes, but, you know, we've, we've got along for the most part and, and we've, but they've been good to us. And so that was a blessing, um, you know, to be able for them to basically, we didn't find this house, it found us, but they do need to sell it. You know, they're in a situation like we were, uh, with our house in Texas. They need to sell it. And we've been in here a year and a half, but now that time has come for them. And our all of our intentions were to buy the house and s- to buy this house. And so we prayed about it and we, we had my parents praying about it and we had, my parents had the pastor of their church praying about it and my siblings you know, we we just wanted everything to work out. And my family. 
Yeah, I mean, just everyone, everyone in our family, and they were praying for a uh, for a resolution because I didn't think that with the collections that were on my credit that I would be able to get a loan. Well, someone just happened to um, tell me to go see this particular banker here in Payne County and that he had the ability to approve loans based not only off of credit score, but could look at it individually. So I set up a meeting with him and I went in and I met with him and he genuinely was a person that I feel like I could be very good friends with. He was a good guy. He was an agricultural guy. He's He went to OSU. Um, I felt like I just, I, I was immediately at ease when I went into his office. I talked to him like I'd known him for 20 years. And it was a Thursday. Yeah, Thursday afternoon. <clears throat> and I told him my story and told him what had happened and told him how many surgeries I've had and that I'd only had one just about a week and a half before that. And he looked at my credit and he said, he said, well, your credit's perfect until December 2017. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. I said, uh, that's, that's where everything went sideways. And, uh, you know, I've continued to pay my bills, my automobiles, my rent payments, the, you know, all the payments that you have to make, but, you know, all these medical bills, I just haven't been able to keep up and hopefully our lawsuit will be done by this summer, which it should be. Um, but you know, I don't have an exact date for that. And so <clears throat> we had a great talk and he, uh, he said, well, normally we meet with, uh, with the loan committee at eight o'clock in the morning. He said, however, you know, this being a Thursday, he said, I will not be in the office tomorrow, Friday. So you won't get an answer until Monday. Which is the story of our life. And we, uh, of course, I was anxious, but I thought, all right, I can keep myself busy through the weekend and find out on Monday. Well, at about uh, 8.30, 8.45 on Friday morning, I missed a call from this gentleman. And I called him back and he said, Stoney, I just wanted to call and let you know that I decided to go ahead and call in and be in on the loan committee meeting this morning. And I've discussed it with the president of the bank and um, we've decided that we're going to give you a loan. As you can imagine, April and I were ecstatic. I was more ecstatic than April because she said, that she felt at peace about it. She felt like everything was just going to, to work out. Um, I am the pessimist of the two of us. I've just had enough bad happen. I think that it, 
you know, there comes a point when you just think <laughs> nothing good is, you know, I haven't had anything good happen in so long. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to even expect something good to happen, but she did. And, um, so that Friday morning, I was given the loan to buy our house and that was our plan. And we were going to stay right here in Perkins and everything was going to be great. And I was excited and I called my parents. Um, you know, I told my grandparents, which that was Friday that, that we went and met with, that we went and saw them. And I had just been approved for that loan that morning. So I was excited to tell my grandpa that this had already had already worked out. And Monday morning was my first day back to work after my surgery. And I went with a with a revived step. You know, I, I went ready to get out of this house full of women, just ready to go, just ready to get back to being myself. The surgery helped me so much. My arm was just completely worthless prior to the surgery and it was completely fixed after the surgery. So I've got this new lease on life. I don't have this horrible pain in my arm and neck. I'm going back to work. I've got this loan on my house. We're going to get to buy the house that we want. And I walk in and I see my boss, who's very high up in the company, um, along with the HR person, which is generally not a good sign. <clears throat> and then I was asked to come to the conference room. And um, if you've ever worked in a corporate setting, you know what that means. I've done it. I've been on the other side of that table hundreds of times. So I knew what it meant. I was flabbergasted. I did not see it coming. I've been an important part of this company for a very long time. And I feel, you know, like I've done, I've, I've earned where I'm at and, um, you know, new CEO comes in and they just start making decisions based off numbers. And this isn't, you know, this isn't me talking bad about the company. It's just, uh, you know, a new person comes in with a new mindset and things change. And um, they told me they were letting me go. And I was even more astonished when they told me there was no severance. Um, because I definitely earned that. But... I calmly got up and shook their hands and went to my office and began to pack. And um, 
under normal normal circumstances, maybe that wouldn't have felt like just the end of the earth. But under my current circumstances, it did. It felt like every, I mean, it felt like a practical joke. On Friday, I got approved for the loan that I maybe shouldn't have been approved for. But someone saw the the benefit, saw past a credit score, saw past medical collections, and decided to give me and my family a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a nudge. Well, I don't think we've ever been given the benefit of the doubt either since the wreck, since the bank thing. Which was nice. Yeah. And, you know, I just, uh, so as soon as I lost the job. Which I think our days may be mixed up a little bit on what was, I mean, not the day you lost your job or all that, but the days before that. Anyway. I'm not mixed up. Okay. We find out. It was we horrible. went to Granny and Papa's on Friday, the morning after we found out that we were getting the loan. Yeah. Because I told him about it. And, but at that particular time, it was absolutely crushing. It was the remaining part of me that I had. That you know, I I know that my job doesn't make up who I am. I know that I'm much more than that. But when you're a provider for your family, and even through all of this, you've still been able to provide for your family. Um, once that is taken, it was just like. The, someone had jerked the floor out from under me. I didn't, uh, all, all equilibrium was lost. I didn't, I just felt like I was just spinning and tumbling through space. And, and um, I text April, a very short text that said, got fired, packing now, or something along those lines. And my friends that I work with came in my office and packed for me. And uh, one of my very best friends that I work with just sat there in silence with me. And, uh, you know, we've worked together at this company the entire time. and, And we've been through lots of ups and downs in the oil industry. If you know anything about the oil and gas, about every three years, you're going to go through one. And, um, you know, it's good to have someone that he didn't feel the need to say anything uh, because he knew, he knows, he knows as well as, as anyone outside of my family what all I've gone through. And, and so, you know, we didn't talk a lot. We We sat there and we... We told a few funny stories and, and, you know, 
things that we've done together over the years. Um, but it was, it was just really a difficult, the most difficult day I've had, I think, since the, maybe the wreck itself and, and there may be another couple days in there mixed in, but it, it definitely ranks in the top five. <clears throat> so, I'm getting a little bit off subject, I guess. But have any of you that are Christians that, that have any of you ever had something happen so strong that it has maybe made you question your faith? Not, not condemn your faith, not, not act like, you know, I'm not talking about, um, you know, I'm not talking about denying God. No, I'm just talking about, is there, has there ever come a point where you just go, does he, does he even care? Does he, does he care what this is doing to me? Because I feel like I'm just being torn apart, but I, I know that, you know, he says that he will always be with me and, you know, you just want to scream, where are you? Why aren't you here right now? Why aren't you making this go away? Why aren't you fixing this? I have gone through enough. Like, have you ever, I feel that way. I've gone through enough. April has gone through enough. Abby, Gracie, Emma have all gone through enough. And again, I'm the pessimist. April's faith is stronger than mine. It always has been. You know, the Bible says if you have faith of but the size of a mustard seed, that's not very much. But there have been days where I've felt like mine might be less because I'm really struggling with why these things continue continue to happen when we have been so faithful in the face of everything that has happened. The wrecks, the surgeries, things in our personal lives that we've never discussed on here. Um, now job loss you know, it's just one thing after another that it just shakes you to the point where I've been in church from the day I was born. I can recite you the scripture without ever opening a Bible. I know it inside and out. 
know what it says, but I just am having a little bit of a hard time right now because I don't feel like that the faith and the and the the faith that we've had is being rewarded and <clears throat> i know that that's not necessarily how it works and that you know everything i wrote a story about this too and you know god's timing isn't your timing god doesn't care about your timing he knows your story, and I believe that, but I just wonder how much longer <laughs> until we get to the good part. Um, I've got my family. I've got beautiful, healthy daughters. I've got a strong, supportive, beautiful wife that helps me every day. But I don't want to have to be taken care of anymore. I don't want to be the weakest link in our family. I don't want to be the, well, we can't do that because Stoney can't stand up that long or Stoney can't walk that far or we can't do that because we don't have money because Stoney lost his job. And I mean, and not that my children or my wife would actually say that. That would just be the implied reason. Um, I'm struggling, folks. I'm having a hard time. And um, you know, Gracie asked me the other day. She said, "Dad, do you ever cry?" And I said, yeah. And she said, I don't think I've ever seen you cry. Which surprised me because, I mean, I do cry on occasion, but I don't just sit around and ball. <laughs> but um, she said, I've never seen you cry. Whenever you probably, more times than not, I cry when I'm alone because I don't want to to be that I don't want to be seen as I, I don't know I've, I've got too much of that uh, too much masculinity in me to to feel um, vulnerable in front of people and, and I use humor to mask most things I've made a lot of unemployed jokes since this has happened and um not that we're making fun of unemployed people no but that's our own making a joke about me being unemployed and that's my own way of just i can either be sad about it or i and i am sad about it or i can be just as open and honest as i can be and and um i've talked way more on this than April has. I feel like April should. I think uh, this will be a two-part series. So I think we'll pick up on part two and uh, 
if anybody wants to continue listening to our continuance of sob stories, um, check out part two. Um, we'll post them back to back more than likely. Um, but thank you if you're listening today and you've been on us, uh, or I've with had us. So many of you ask me, when are you going to start podcasting again? And I'm sorry. Our three or four month hiatus. Um, now you know why, but thank you for listening and, um, catch us on part two. And don't, and don't stop listening because this one has been a bummer because I'm going to bring it back up in part two. There's going to be some good stuff in there too. I'm not going to leave it. Well, uh, they won't know until they listen to part two. I know, but I just got to let them know because I don't want them to quit right here and think I'm not listening to that God, that's horrible. crap anymore. So we appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, we, we love the daddy diaries. Um, if you've noticed me trying to sell some extra books lately, that's because I'm unemployed. And we're poor. And so selling a few books uh, actually uh, would help us a little bit right now. I'm not trying to guilt you into buying one, but I'm just saying if you haven't bought one up until now, this would be a great right time. Now is a great time to buy. So thanks a lot for listening and uh, catch us on part two.